You're listening to a DM podcast. Yeah, so when I launch a show and I, like if anyone's listening and wants to ever launch a podcast, I'm going to tell you right now how you do a good launch. So gather around. Standing by. (laughs) So what we do, first, we will launch to our existing audience, right? But we won't hit a big splash on day one. We'll do like a three-prong campaign or a month-long launch. So for anyone launching a podcast, upload a trailer first. So at least make sure your RSS feeds and all that are working and, you know, people can find it and hit subscribe or whatever. Then we usually do 15 episodes. And that's it. Like if anyone wants to come to me and go, oh, I've got a good idea for a show. I'll be like, all right, well, give me 15 rock solid episodes and then we'll talk. G'day and welcome to Behind the Podcast with Jules and Stocks. I'm Jules and today Stocks and I went behind the podcast with Glenn James, the financial wizard who creates and hosts the My Millennial Money podcast. He's built out the My Millennial brand to really take a holistic view on financial well-being, launching other shows such as My Millennial Property, Career, Health, Business, Money Express, and a bunch more that he's got on the way. Stocks, what do you think about this one? I reckon I learned more from this one, this episode, and Glenn, and our conversation than any other episode this year. Uh, Smart guy, knows what he's doing, a lot to learn about how you turn one podcast into many. And it's not just a brand, it's how you do it. Uh, A lot of knowledge there. Worth a listen. Absolutely. And his podcast in general is worth a listen. Some plenty of good money tips in there. A couple that I've started to take on myself since doing this podcast. Interesting. Keen to hear about that. Yeah, well, I won't be shouting anyone at bars anymore. I can tell you that much. (laughs) All right. Well, why don't we dive right in? Glenn, tell us a bit about it. Excellent. Let's jump into it. Take it away, Glenn. So I first and foremost uh, created My Millennial Money as a podcast while I was still working as a licensed financial advisor. It got to the point where I'd have a lot of people come into my office and really wanted financial advice and how do I, you know, get rich and all this stuff. And regardless of the age, it was purely like, well, you don't really need financial advice. You just need a freaking budget and learn how to control yourself. And so I developed uh, the Glenn James spending plan. And I said to clients, I said, look, I can help you one-on-one coach you with money. I'm happy to charge you three and a half grand and we can sit down six times or you can pay 70 bucks and do it online. Like, I don't care. I still get paid. Uh, It's whatever you want. So for me, I really wanted to get into this uh, one-to-many approach because I felt like I was saying the same conversations over and over again. And at the time I was kind of, you know, wanted a new project. Uh, So fast forward now, my full-time job is running the My Millennial podcast and all the flow-on subsequent podcasts. So it's a little bit of a network. And the purpose behind My Millennial Money and the subsequent shows is if your money is good in your life, you've got a better chance at your Uh, career aspirations getting met. You've got a better chance at nailing your health. You've got a better chance at becoming an investor. So for me, it was when I started these spin-off podcasts, it was more around that thing, like get get your money nailed and then you can add value to other areas of your life. And conversely, if, uh, if you're not physically or mentally fit or you need some help in that area, well, sure, listen to My Millennial Health. 
get encouraged, start to really start feeling better, which could flow back through to the money side. So that's the long and the short of it, how it came about and what we're doing now. So you feel like it's all a bit of a, well, ecosystem, maybe not the right word, but it's all kind of tied in together, financial health, mental health, you know, all of those kind of things, career, et cetera. You can really kind of make those bridges. Absolutely. And I think the right word for what I'm doing is cult. (laughs) Uh, So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> taking applications subconsciously, uh, but effectively, yeah. Like how many times, like if we look at our life and if one area of our life is really struggling, a lot of the time the other areas aren't fantastic. So I think it's about balance and, you know, we're just finding interesting things that people want to talk about. And I didn't want to clog the My Millennial Money podcast with stuff about health and fitness and careers every day. So that's why it was just a natural progression to go further with the other shows. That's interesting. I was going to say, is that the first thing that people were saying when they came to meet you back when you were a financial advisor is how to, how can I get rich? Pretty much. And, you know, I'm just, I was saying before, like just about to launch this book and one of the stories in the book was like, you know, people would come to an advisor hoping for all the magical answers. And, you know, you've probably had times in your own career where it's like you got the same joke at the same time and the same laugh from every client. And my joke was, um, hang on one sec, and I'd lean over and open the drawer and put my hand down. And I said, oh, hang on, I'm just getting my magic wand because, you know, you need this. Um, so well, you're about to pull out but, the middle finger. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've done that a few times. But this whole thing of... I need to do better with my money. Um, it can actually start today with, you know, just managing it better. And part of that is, you know, dialing in somewhere and getting weekly encouragement. So I really wanted to create infotainment, I wanted to entertain people and give them information. Right. And did you start with a podcast or you referenced that you did have something that someone could subscribe to for $75 virtually? Yeah. So that was, um, my online spending plan. So that was kind of the start of it, um, that I was using for clients, uh, who wanted a low cost way to set up a cash flow system. Uh, so yeah, the Glenn James spending plan still is active and thousands and thousands of people are using that in the My Millennial Money ecosystem. Okay. And when did the um, podcast become the idea, I guess? Well, I actually had a podcast before My Millennial Money and it was called Sort Your Money Out. And that podcast sucked. And um, it's no longer up because I didn't know what I was doing. And it's questionable if I still um, have that same mindset of not knowing what I'm doing, but that's fine. But I learned from that what I wanted to do. Like, we started the podcast and at the time, I think it was 2017, and I was just interviewing people and I thought, oh, interviewee kind of podcasts, I think they've run their course in that sense at the time. So I ditched that. And then the word millennial was popular like in 2017, 18. And then you know how you have a shower in the morning or night or whatever, and you have, you know, a hundred ideas and 99 of them suck. Uh, Well, I had this one idea that's, I need a podcast that like, number one, I need to make more content online and I need a clicky title that resonates with people. So I thought, oh, millennial, millennial, uh, millennial money. Oh, my millennial money. So a bit of ownership. Uh, and then I basically, we first started 
and we went into the comedy category. And I think Spotify still lists us in the comedy category um, because it, we wanted it to be lighthearted. And mm. my kind of marketing vibe was most people know they've got to do better with their money or better with their diet, for example. And we might not pick up our podcast player and all of a sudden go, oh, I'm going to the business category where it might be, I'm commuting to work. I'll pick up the podcast. I'll go to comedy, see if I can have a bit of a laugh. Oh, money. Oh, that's interesting. And then hook people in that way. Uh, But we've kind of, you know, grown and I'm trying to get a little bit more structure and quality. And uh, I've moved it over now to the business category, but uh, still really want to provide infotainment, lighthearted, the Australian uh, newspaper quoted myself and my co-host as the Hamish and Andy of finance. Uh, <laughs> so we'll take it. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a financial Trojan horse kind of at the moment, like just kind of get people in with a bit of, you know, a bit of comedy and, bit and of banter. Get that lighthearted approach around something that can otherwise be pretty dry and also hard for people to get into. I mean, it's no surprise that so many people are after financial advice and are unable to get it through the regular channels. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, we just want to be, entertained. And so the problem we had when we first launched the podcast, you know, I'd have a stroke if I did this today in the current episode, like we were like 15 minutes in, not talking about money yet, just banter and all that, which is fun for the two of us in the room and maybe 40% of the listeners or 50%. But the other person's like, no, I just want to hear about money. Bam, bam, bam. Like, so like we've got a rule now that we really try and stick to we're into the meat by two minutes. So hello everyone. How are you housekeeping? Bam into the meat, but to pacify and to really um, give value to the core who actually like the banter, like heaps of our reviews are like came for the financial chat, save for the banter. We do an after party. So at the end credits and the thank yous and all that, there might be five seconds of pause. And then John and I will just talk chat for 10, 15 minutes. So that scratches the itch for the hardcore people who just want the banter and uh, really buy into the personality uh, where, you know, we're into the meat within two minutes now uh, to scratch the itch of someone who wants to be encouraged with their money. That's a really interesting way to approach it because everyone goes the other way. But it is important to be respectful of people's time, particularly in the sort of discovery phase. And when you're talking about being a hack for people, a life hack. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. And to be honest, like last year, we, we had a rule in house where we're into the meet by four minutes, uh, but we've moved that back to two minutes now. Um, so I'll be yeah, really looking at that because it's noisy out there. I mean, if we started my millennial money today, I wouldn't have the traction, uh, just because it is noisy. Like I'm pretty sure we were the first main stream personal finance podcast, you know, four Aussies by Aussies. Uh, And certainly that's not the case anymore. So, you know, if I did start again today, I wouldn't have that because I don't have the incumbent distribution to distribute the the product uh, where, you know, we're proudly independent. I mean, I own 100% of the company. We pay and just use a podcast host. We're not part of any of the radio networks or anything like that. We are 100% independent. So that's been pretty fun. Huge. And that's the best great thing about podcasting, isn't it? That you can start it up in, with a, a couple mics and a computer and you don't have to be beholden to the large media empires that are out there. So, man, congratulations and good on you. 
Yeah, thank you. Do you want to tell us a bit about um, co-hosts? I mean, you're the you're the owner of the company and, and the face of the majority of the um, the mm. millennial stuff. Yeah, tell us a bit about the kind of new shows that you've brought on, the hosts that do things with you. You know, your regular contributors and, and even guests. Yeah, I mean, how are you picking the hosts? Are you are you finding subject matter and trying to find a host, or do you meet someone and go, God, I I want you to talk about this? How does it all work? How I did it the first time, I would think, would be uh, called very badly. Um, so the first kind of spin-off without people that were myself or John Pigeon, uh, my co-host, was the My Millennial Career Podcast. And I did a mini-series on careers a couple of years ago. I had Emily Bowen come in and talk to our listeners about, because she's in recruitment, like, what do we do to get in the door? And then Shelly Johnson, we did the episode with her because she's in HR and manages people and all that. How do you excel once you're in the door? So, you know, I did those two. And then again, I had another brainwave. Oh, I should do a spin-off. Those episodes were really well. Like, uh, I'll do my millennial career. And I said, Shell, M, do you want to do a podcast? Sweet. And if I had my time again picking hosts, and I've done this in the past, it's like my personality is shoot first, then I'll think about aiming, uh, which for those who, if that resonates, you know, the struggles that that brings. I mean, you get a lot done. Uh, half of it's rubbish, but the other half, hopefully it sticks. So that's kind of how the My Millennial Career came about. And, you know, they have done it for two years now. Uh, last year, they were in the top five business category for the podcast awards, uh, which, you know, you guys are in bed with for want of a better word. Uh, <laughs> We have no influence though. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And then the property one, like we knew that Aussies love property, right? And love investing, love buying property, 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 property. John Pigeon, my co-host of the main show for, you know, one of the two days a week, he is a property coach. You know, I've used him myself. I used to refer clients to him. He's not a dickhead. Like I can trust him with people and all that stuff. Uh, So I did the property show with him. And I hated it. And I didn't hate it because I don't like podcasting. I hated it because property just like, sure, I've got investment properties. I love investing. I just didn't want to be on another podcast. And I don't know. I just felt we could probably insert someone who's in the property world. So that's, you know, we found uh, Emily Wallace, who I'd, uh, she'd been on my show before and she held herself up, really switched on. So we asked her if she'd like to take my spot. My Millennial Health, uh, again, one of the uh, hosts of that, Jess Spendlove, like she's a really switched on advanced sport dietitian. Like she's done all the big football clubs and F45s and elite sports level. And they've got a business, her and a business partner, Chloe McLeod. So I said to those girls, hey, do you reckon you got a podcast, didn't you? I think this really could add value. So like we've got regular kind of guests, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Vince Scully, he's probably our oldest guest. He's 60 years old or thereabouts. And he's like a real wealth of knowledge in terms of investing. Uh, so any of the stuff that we go deep on, I'll maybe do it with Vince. And we've now got, um, we call it a campfire chat. So every you know month or so, Vince and I will sit down and we might do two hours, two and a half hours of just episode and just the cadence is slower. It's more Joe Rogan style, just chatting about investing. It's not heaps edited. It's loose. Uh, so we run that kind of on a Thursday. So our Tuesday main show is uh, John and myself usually answering questions or doing money case studies. And Thursday, I'll get a variety of different guests uh, and interview them myself. Interesting. You own the IP to all the shows. How hands-on mm. are you in 
in terms of the My Millennial brand, making sure you know it's uh, maintained, I guess. Yeah, so I've got a producer and she basically, we've got two, I kind of run my business like, I don't know if you remember, but there's a show called The West Wing. Yeah. yeah. It was a million years old, right? Love it. So for everyone over 30, you'll probably know this show. So I run my business like The West Wing. So I'm El Presidente and um, I've got senior staff. So, and in the West Wing, the senior staff, they carry a lot of weight. They give uh, feedback to the president. They run their portfolios and do all that stuff. Sure, the president will go yes or no or overrule or whatever, but so Jess Knauss in my team. Who's Rob Lowe? Yeah. <laughs> no, we haven't hired him yet. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. If you're in your late 20s and you're female, it's a higher chance that your name's Jess. So Jess Knauss, uh, she's our senior producer. She's in charge of everything anyone hears throughout the network. So she'll organize all the show hosts and organizing their guests with them if they don't. And then Jess Pearson, she's in charge of everything everyone sees, brand guidelines and all that stuff. And 18 months ago, I didn't have a team of five people. So we come up to situations where that, you know, some of our show hosts ask a question and I'm like, that's a good question. Don't know. We haven't overcome that before. Like, Little things like, well, do we promote their individual Instagrams on an audio episode? Do we promote their individual Instagrams on a tagged Insta post? Like just the little nuanced things. And most people, you give an inch and they'll take a mile, which is fine. It's just, it is new. And we really want to just create a platform for these people to make good content and be the best version of them as they can be. It's almost like a franchise kind of operation where you're starting to get the rule book together and you can then launch the new ones as they, as the topics come up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've got a podcast called My Millennial Business, which, you know, I'll, uh, I'll get you guys on to, um, to chat something about business. Uh, I've got a My Millennial Money Express podcast, which is just me only usually once a week, 5, 10, 15 minutes. I've registered the trademark for uh, My Millennial Money News and I am seeking some type of partnership with somebody in the news world because I want to do a, um, a weekly money news more that what was the weekly money news and what does it mean for me? And even if it's just 10 minutes a week, just to, to do that. That sounds like a can't miss concept. Yeah. And it's just about, you know, partnering with the right organization and, and that podcast there, that might be the only one that I go to a network for, um, you know, to license the brand or something. Cause I think most people, if they are hardcore into podcasts and the business podcast scene as a listener looking through podcast apps, I think they would know the my millennial brand ish. And then I've got another kind of thing happening. Uh, my millennial money medical, which I want to get someone in, you know, the medical world to host that and do money for like doctors, nurses, you know, vets and all the physio, all the medical professionals. Um, but again, my problem is I've just got to slow down and take my team with me. So. Yeah, always a risk, always a risk. Do you know how much the audience crosses over between your shows? I mean, are people bought into the brand and listening to everything or people pick and choosing? I mean, how much do you know about that? We do know. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know, but I'd imagine, you know, we do an annual survey for listeners and we're just about to read to plan our survey because like whether you're running a podcast or running a business, you want to ask your customers what they want, who they are, just so you know. Uh, so 
yeah, we will. That's one thing I really want to look at. You know, I know there's less crossover with the health and money then there's slightly more crossover with the careers and money. And then most people, maybe 90% will listen to the property podcast and the main show. Gotcha. And how do you go about launching a new show? Do you lean on your existing feeds and shows and seed them out? Or what's, what's the sort of strategy there? Yeah, so when I launch a show and I, you know, like if anyone's listening and wants to ever launch a podcast, I'm going to tell you right now how you do a good launch. So gather around. Standing by. <laughs> so what we do, first, we will launch to our existing audience, right? But we won't hit a big splash on day one. We'll do like a three-prong campaign or a month-long launch. So for anyone launching a podcast, upload a trailer first. So at least make sure your RSS feeds and all that are working and you know people can find it and hit subscribe or whatever. Then we usually do 15 episodes. And that's it. Like if anyone wants to come to me and go, oh, I've got a good good idea for a show. I'll be like, all right, well, give me 15 rock solid episodes and then we'll talk. And then on launch day, we'll launch three episodes and we'll make sure that those three episodes aren't the same, like they're a bit of variety. So if someone sees that it's launched, they can go and there's three episodes that they can choose from. So instead of just one episode, oh, I'm not interested in sewing for dummies 101 or something like that, but... I'm interested in how to ride a pushback or whatever the episode is. So at least you've got more chance of someone listening to some content. And if they do like that content, well, there's three episodes for them to chew on. And then basically we just then launch one episode a week for 12 weeks. So if you've got a strong three-month campaign, we might launch to our Facebook group uh, and Instagram the first week. The next week we might launch to the email list, also in concert with some audio ads. It's just more of a prolonged launch uh, because not everyone sees every bit of content you do and you've got to run your Instagram, your Facebook group and your podcasts and your YouTube and your email list as completely separate content pillars. Absolutely. That's what I've learned. Are you running that sort of 15 episodes as like, this is what we do for a season and then we kind of move on to the next batch? Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's just easier to manage. So like My Millennial Career and My Millennial Health, like the four girls that run those shows, like they've got busy lives and, you know, it can't just be this evergreen thing. And the way we uh, commercially sell the episodes is we will carve them out because I don't know if you want to go to like how we make money. I'm happy to chat about that. But yeah, definitely. Um, it's easy to kind of sell as a package and then execute that. Uh, but the property show, like John and Emily, they're 100% both self-employed and the health girls are as well to a point. Well, they are. Um, but John and Emily, we've just decided we want to do my millennial property every week, forevermore. Amen. And, um, oh, I've actually, I've also got another show called Gen Z Money. I forgot about that. So that podcast there is for under 24s and it's the only kind of money one that's branded differently. And that came about because I, I interviewed a, a 20 year old uh, for My Millennial Money. And it just was so apparent to me that it's a completely different audience, a 20 year old than a 25 year old. 25 year old wants to buy their own home, wants to start a family, wants to get married or whatever they want to do. Where a 20 year old, the questions are, well, how do I get my first car? And should I get a loan to go to Europe? And like, <laughs> so it's like, it was actually different content. 
And I'm like, I can't actually put that on My Millennial Money. It's a different audience. So that's when we started Gen Z Money. I've got uh, Azaria Bell hosting that. How old is Azaria? Azaria's 24. Okay, that's a good age to be talking to 20-year-olds. Yeah. Totally. Because I think 20 is that sort of age as well where you're ripe for really getting yourself in some financial trouble as well. So trying to head that off at the pass and giving people some good tips is, is a great initiative. Yeah. And then, so like the My Millennial Business podcast, I, I don't publish enough on there and that's a really good little podcast, but I just wanted an outlet if I wanted to have a, a talk about business and a lot of it's just me, you know, face to mic type stuff or I'll interview people. So the struggle I've got because we've got, you know, two producers, an audio editor, an audio contractor and, you know, a design team, it's actually a machine. And Glenn James' personality doesn't fit in with a freaking machine uh, <laughs> because if I want to do something, I want to do it right now and get it up. So the kind of trade-off with the team is my little M3X episodes, I can just do an episode, edit it myself and throw it up if I want. Right, right. That's your, that's your self-indulgence. Yeah. And like I've been doing YouTube stuff lately, like tutorials on like Vanguard personally, investor and all this stuff. And I just do it myself because the problem I've got is when I had my financial planning business, the podcast was my hobby. It was my side hustle because I liked video editing. I liked audio editing. And now it's my full-time thing, but I still miss getting on the tools. So, mm. so yeah, that's kind of the latitude that I've got. Like I can't dare dick around with the main show. Like, I mean, if I put my foot down, I'll make it happen, but I can't cry wolf to the team uh, too much or it's just causes drama. So tell us a bit about, you know, when you were doing the financial um, advisory stuff and then you kind of move into this, it's a bit of a, a bit of a side hobby doing the podcasting. So much has changed over the last few years in the financial space. And, you know, obviously there's a few things like the housing boom and in certain markets it's going absolutely mental. Cryptocurrencies are coming in. You know, there's all of these tech platforms that are coming up as well, which are allowing people an entry point into, you know, things like the stock market. Mm. Not to mention things like buy now, pay later and all that kind of stuff that's just, you know, we had one sell today for $39 billion. What's it like with all of this stuff? Just Jeez, cancer's expensive to buy. <laughs> <laughs> but we've had all of these things that just happen in the last couple of years and, and sort of within that financial advisory space, you know, I've listened to a few of your episodes and, and particularly, you know, with Vincent, you talk about investing in certain things and, and you know, over a long enough time housing and, and share market are, are similar returns. And like mm. Do you think that, you know, the, the sort of rules are changing a bit in terms of, you know, what the best advice is and, and how are you kind of keeping on top of that? yourself yeah it's interesting like i think the fundamental rules and laws of money are always there and the same rules and fundamental laws with personal health is always there so if we talk about personal health there's ads on the side of the bus buy this shake drink it lose weight your life's magic okay we know that you really can't outsource your weight loss and fitness to a shake you got to move your ass eat healthy and, you know, you'll see the results. Sure, you can have some short-term wins by throwing down a shake a day. You stop the shakes, the behaviors and habits haven't changed. So, bam, the weight comes back, talking from experience. Um, It's like a credit card for your health, really. Yeah. So, like our fitness and health, we can't really outsource our health management and our weight loss to a, a, a shake. Can't in the long term because the simple laws of life will be there. The same with our money. Uh, There are simple laws. You have to spend and live on less than what you earn. 
Like you can dick around with that stuff, you know, for a couple of months and it's fine. But, you know, I, I shared a story in my book and it's called Sort Your Money Out and Get Invested. Might as well plug my shit. Um, <laughs> you invited me. Uh, and I shared this- Pre-order here. Yeah. <laughs> I shared this story of a client that came to me. He was 60 years old. He wanted to uh, retire. Okay. Uh, had car loans, still had a mortgage, had bugger all super. And it was basically every couple of years he'd have consumer debt consolidated into the mortgage, happy days. But it comes to a point where you will get screwed and it'll cost you. So he's at age 60, but because he's had years and years of just refinancing cards and, oh, I've got to reconsolidate, get a mortgage and pay for another car. And he's just kicking the can down the road. And remember the old illusionists in Vegas, is it Sinkford and Roy? Sinkford and Roy, yeah. yeah. So RIP, I think. Yeah, that's right. So they had the, the white tiger on the stage. So they tamed the tiger, okay? Until one day it bit one of the bastards. And I think there's only so much, you, like you can never actually change a tiger's behavior. Yeah, the nature of it. They did for many, many years, but it turned around and bit them. And that's what's happening with uh, the buy now, pay later crap. Um, it will be fine, but you will get bitten because it is designed on balance to charge your late fee. It is designed on balance to make you spend more. Spend more than you mean. And yeah. it's just ridiculous. And, you know, I, I've got this new, this new product that's uh, sweeping the personal finance scene. It's called S-U-B-T-I. Save up than buy it. <laughs> Don't app for that. And it's a banger, all right? It doesn't, there's no late fees. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, it might not be instantly, but the gratification is certainly there. Yeah. You know, you talk about crypto and all this other stuff. Well, there's nothing really new. Like back in the eighties, there might've been silver and gold and specky things in that where we just have to go back to, okay, if you want to dick around with highly speculative stuff, maybe just do 10% of your portfolio or less 2% because, you know, everyone who's made money on Bitcoin you know about, but you don't ever hear about the person who's been flushed with Dogecoin. You don't hear about the person that was flushed with, you know, GameStop or anything like that. So there's actually nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. There's no laws new. Uh, it's gravity. You might think it's something else and you can manipulate it. I mean, you can take Richard Branson's little plane up or uh, Jeff Bezos's large penis up to the sky and, You'll defy gravity for probably 11 minutes, but it's going to come back. What goes up? Yep. Do you think that some of the tech platforms have helped really people get on top of their finances and, and also just get into those kind of investing markets in the first place? Whereas, you know, historically, it seems like there was quite a high barrier for entry. Yeah. And this is like the Glenn James of 18 years old wishes that he could have bought into investment markets for $5 and have it an app. And so I think it's just amazing. And without getting into the weeds of all the individual different apps and all that stuff, the fact that somebody is investing, it means they're spending less than what they earn, hopefully, and investing the rest. A lot of the stuff in the Facebook groups are like, oh, should I use Ray, Spaceship, Vanguard? It's like, well, just pick one and pump it. And, you know, as you get better and more educated in yourself, the right solution to you will be, 
will become apparent. I mean, I don't know if you guys know much about tech gear, but I've got like, you're looking into my garage here and it's a bit of a studio and there's thousands and thousands of dollars worth of black magic studio gear. And, you know, it costs the arm and a leg and a left kidney, but I didn't first go out and buy, you know, 50 grand worth of crap. I've, I started with a Canon DSLR. Okay. Well now, yeah, I think I'm learning more about this Canon. All right. I want to go to a Lumix because that's better for video or whatever. All right. I well and truly know more about what I'm doing. I need to step it up a notch. Now I'm going to invest in black magic because of these reasons. So it will just become apparent like any other hobby in your life. Yeah. Build your base. Totally. You're in an interesting space because you're kind of, you have a background in financial advice Mm. and then you're sort of running this balance between advice, knowledge versus advice, and you've got a disclaimer. I mean, how do you balance that? What tone do you go for? Can you tell us about how you walk that line? Yeah, so I pay for a general advice license. So I am licensed when I give general advice. So, so all day long on my podcast, we do give general financial advice and we are licensed for that. I am still soft with my language. I'll probably, and this is just the advisor in me, like I probably won't ever go out and there say, all right, everyone, the best bank account for you is this, or the best, I'll, I'll use softwares like, well, you need to find the most appropriate. And because there's a, there's just like a lawyer getting their teeth into, uh, this is the best for you is a lot easier for them to get the best, their teeth into as, about, as opposed to saying, well, I think this is most appropriate for a 25 year old. Like, so I think, you know, you just have to be smart. And I think, you know, having a position of uh, influence with the podcast, you know, I won't get a company on my show flogging cryptocurrency. Like I just, I think I have had one guy come and talk about it only because I was just interested, but I get pitched daily from um, trading platforms and all this stuff. And I've just got this level of responsibility. Like I, I don't advertise credit cards, buy now, pay later, uh, any of that stuff, because I personally think it sucks. And for me, the good thing about being independent is I'll always approve every ad that goes on. And if I don't think it's good, I'm not going to put it up. And I could be wrong because like everybody's view of the world is different, but yeah, at least for me, if there's just got to be some level of diligence because we are in a, an area of influence. And the thing is like, so I might do an episode about uh, Vanguard personal investor as a platform. Someone will hear that or watch the YouTube. They will then be at their friend's house or at a cafe and say, Oh, Glenn actually recommends that. And I was like, no, I don't. I just did the review of it. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, but we, we are fully licensed and uh, I've even, uh, you know, someone complained to ASIC um, a couple of years ago and I've dealt with ASIC and a few sleepless nights later, they wrote back and said, yeah, all good here. So sure. what's that like in terms of <laughs> your listenership feedback, getting a little call from ASIC? Oh, mate, it's well, and this is this thing like, so I'm in this new world of online uh, approachable personal finance and there's this old guard of people who think anyone who opens their trap about money has to be licensed and all this stuff. And it was actually somebody in the financial advice ecosystem that complained to me, uh, that complained to ASIC and, of course. and I knew it was him because he was trolling me all over LinkedIn and I wouldn't usually care about dickheads that troll me, 
In fact, I feed the trolls. But given that he was in the financial planning ecosystem, I tracked down his phone number and I called him. I said, I see you've been saying crap to me online. Say it to my face. Um, Love it. That's the way to yeah. deal with the troll. Totally. Get him onto the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would. Whatever. <laughs> a lot of your competitors don't have that sort of accreditation that you've got, I guess. And mm. then I guess a lot of them who may don't have your fun tone and, mm. enter, I guess, infotainment angle as well. So, mm. it's looks like you've got a nice niche there. On monetization, I guess that's a nice segue into uh, how you monetize your show. You've talked a little bit about the philosophy, I guess. I mean, what have you got? You've got the book coming up. Yep. Um, you do speaking. Yep. Um, I know you had a live- Online course. And you had a live show- tour a bit you've done some of but not yeah obviously with covid yeah um restrictions what else i mean how are you monetizing in terms of ads i guess because i did listen to one of your episodes in november 2018 where you were calling out for a sponsor how do you find your money yeah i'll short answer is any way possible um yeah. <laughs> but i so i personally hate ads and so we monetize yeah via the online course um any of my speaking events or campaigns you know we've got the instagram there's bugger all ads that we really run on that but um one of the main ways is um i'm not big in the cpm world because it's a race to the bottom i mean you've got radio network shows that are running two pre-rolls ads and two mid-rolls with cpms of like 18 dollars or 20 dollars. i'm like I'm just not spamming my listeners for bugger all money. Like I don't care. So one way I monetize is uh, we have show partners and we actually will do a burned in shout out. And, you know, I'm just negotiating now for a new My Millennial Money show partner for the Tuesday show, for example, uh, with a view to have a long-term relationship of over one year and over two years, hopefully. So I'm really, I'd rather that um, because... The CPM model and the dynamic ads model, it fits into this world of marketing people and PR companies and HR or, you know, marketing companies or whatever. And it's always just campaign spend. And, you know, you get pitched like, oh, do you want to do this ad? Yeah, we've got this budget for this many weeks, which is fine, but there's just a premium uh, to come on my show. Like we charge higher CPMs, but we don't have heaps of ads. So it's this dance between if you hear an ad on my show, I don't think the product sucks and they're paying a premium because I want to respect the listener's ears. But yeah, so basically show partners is a big one. I've got a financial planning referral source type thing that I've got as well. So if anyone needs personal help or a mortgage or an accounting firm, uh, wills and estate plan, they can go to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help fill out the form and I'll personally look at that and introduce them to somebody on my trusted panel. We do have some advisors and mortgage brokers that pay me an advertising fee and they'll come on the show from time to time or some don't actually pay me. Like at the moment on my website, the lawyers and the accountants, like I don't get anything back from them. I just want to look after people and, and send them to them. So likewise, like if I get, my problem is because we're about to launch another podcast called Retire Right that's going to be aimed at over 55s, uh, personal finance, but for over 55s. And because we're getting more people in their 50s and 60s listening to My Millennial Money, uh, and I want to carve out, you know, a designated place for them so we can talk to them about their needs. 
So you're really yeah. the whole the whole gamut, the whole lifespan yeah. of someone's financial. Yeah. And it's incredible how much is spun off the sort of one podcast. It's a real testament. Yeah, and I guess my um, for retire right, my marketing campaign is like, hey everyone, show your parents and uncles and aunts and grandparents how to listen to a podcast and introduce them to retire right, and then have them write you into the will. So, yeah, <laughs> we're going to be talking about like aged care, you know, aging parents, Centrelink, all the stuff, you know, inheritances and. All the stuff that's not relevant to a 20-year-old yep. or a 30-year-old or a 40-year-old. So, yeah, given a good shake, that's for sure. You know, when you did do the live tour, you obviously had a bit of time to engage with the audience mm. face-to-face. How has that been and how do you find the response from them? I mean, looking at some of the kind of videos and everything, you mentioned it was like a cult, but it does have that sort of like self-help vibe mm. uh, to it, you know, really getting out there and empowering people. Yeah, I loved it. And there's just no better rewarding experience than getting out and meeting your listeners as a podcaster. And it's different. Like you might watch the project every night on TV, right? So you're watching that and you see the people. And so you see that. Now, if you saw one of those hosts in a cafe, you might be like, oh, hey, how are you? Or, hey, I watch the project. The difference with podcasting is, one, it's in your ear. So it's instantly more personal. Now, secondly, most people won't put on the project or today, tonight or any of that crap while when they get in bed and want to just have to listen. So they've by permission, they've let you in on their terms. So, you know, I go to bed with a lot of people. I go to work with a lot of people, mow the lawn with a lot of people. I exercise with a lot of people. So when I meet somebody in real life and you guys probably found the same, it's this personal connection. Hey, Glenn, how are you? Like, I was in a cafe in Perth the other day when we, were all, when we did the tour. And so I was like, oh, are you Glenn from My Millennial Money? I'm like, yeah, oh, listen. And like, it's just this instant, like, they know me. And I'm really transparent about my own life on there as well. So people just think they know you. And it's just amazing to have that impact. Yeah, it's just really fun. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I've, I've been listening to you for the last week and I feel like I know you. So, you know, you, you, you just don't know me. Um, apologies. <laughs> um, Send my apologies. <laughs> well, we'll start to get you out of here. Um, we'd love to uh, know some podcasts that you're listening to and would recommend. Okay. So I'm listening to a podcast at the moment uh, called Think Fast, Talk Smart. And it's by a guy in the US whose name is Matt Abrahams and he's a lecturer at Stanford Business School. And I found that because I did a course at Stanford a couple of years ago. So I went over there for the week and did a course. And it's just, he interviews a whole heap of different lecturers and it's all about communication. And so for just from a personal development point of view, I've been listening to that and he's going to come on my podcast. I've reached out to him. So that's a really good, like you've got world-class like lecturers and people teaching that you can just get access to. Uh, so I love that one. Uh, and I also listen to um, Making Sense with Sam Harris, uh, which is a bit more, you know, deep dive, philosophical. Um, I really like that one as well. What is it you like about that one? I'm a bit like I'm a, a thinker by nature. So I like live in my head and I really like how he really goes deep on topics and a lot of the topics that he got like, so he's probably a different political persuasion than I am, 
but I like to listen to a lot of people that aren't the same as me to keep balance in my life. Like, it's like, I just love being challenged. Like, oh, I disagree with you on that, but let me think why I disagree and should that change? So I really, I like that deep dive stuff. I'll listen to Joe Rogan if he's got anyone cool on. And then, you know, the daily has some cool stuff out of, um, New York times, New York times. And I really like strong songs by Kirk Hamilton. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that a lot. That's fun. I've got a podcast in my thing here, emotionally healthy leadership. I've got uh, Magellan in the know. I really love the ABC series, the 11th. That's great. Isn't it? Yeah. About the dismissal. Oh, and I'll tell you everyone listening, one of the best series, and it's a small one, was the Double J Big Day Out series. That was great. It was like sort of six episodes. Six or eight was. episodes or whatever it yeah. was. That was just fascinating. Oh, I'm going to check that out. Particularly if you're around our age. Sounds good. Sounds real good. All right. And I guess, look, the last two things we'll get you out on is um, any advice to someone starting a podcast? You've given us a ton. Is there any other advice outside of what you mentioned today? You've got to have analog audio. Um, not digital audio, uh, get to the point within two minutes. Don't worry about chasing money in the first year or so. Just focus on providing good content. Uh, don't start a podcast to make money cause it just doesn't happen and just have fun. Uh, remember, and I always tell my host this, like they'll say, Oh, and to the listener listening is like, no, 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 no. You got to pretend you're at a campfire with your friends and you're having a discussion. If I'm at a campfire, I don't go, oh, and to those at the campfire, like that sounds dumb. <laughs> so you've got to have a conversation and talk to people. I always pretend that I'm talking to one individual and that's kind of how I kind of do it. So Great advice. It's worth what you paid for it, my friend. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, guys. Really well, thanks very much for yeah, taking the time to talk to us two individuals today. We really appreciated it. No worries, appreciate it. I'll see you guys soon. Thank you.